Yes, sir. Here we are. Welcome into Wednesday. It's going to be, what, 105 degrees today? That's all. That's all. Thank goodness for air conditioning, one of the greatest inventions in the history of mankind. Because you're going to need it today. You're going to need it today. And that leads me to our first hour sponsor, the one and only Tim Lasher and his company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need that AC tuned up. Maybe yours is not running quite like you think it should be running. Maybe you need some refrigerant or whatever. Give Tim Lasher and his company a call. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 509-3113, 405-579-3113, 579-3113, 405-579-3113. As expected, last night, Xavier Robinson makes the decision for the University of Oklahoma, so Parker Thune, Sooner Recruiting is heating up as well. How about that? Commit number nine in the 2024 cycle for Oklahoma, the first at the running back position for OU in this cycle, and uh, first Carl Albert Titan to end up at the University of Oklahoma, assuming he signs since what? you got to go all the way back to J.D. Runnels? Uh, man, we're going back that far. I guess we are. J.D., great guy, great player, big-time player. Of course, Mike Gaddis back in the day. Mike Gaddis would have been in the running for the Heisman Trophy if he hadn't injured his knee, the late Mike Gaddis, uh, great Carl Albert Titan. So this is a great get for the University of Oklahoma. Uh, give me a, com- a comparison for Xavier Robinson. He's big. He's still got good speed. Obviously, his high school stats are unbelievably impressive. Give me a comp for uh, Xavier Robinson. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what an adequate comp would be for Xavier Robinson because – Ramondre Stevenson? Well, and I think Ramondre Stevenson is kind of, if you're thinking recent memory, guys that have worn the Crimson and Cream, who comes to mind that was of Xavier Robinson's ilk? Ramondre Stevenson is probably the easiest answer, but we don't know how big Xavier Robinson's going to get. We don't know how big the Oklahoma coaching staff is going to want him to get, and we don't necessarily know exactly how he's going to be used at the University of Oklahoma. So as of right now, as things stand, yeah, I, I mean, recent memory, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson is probably the best comp, but I I just don't know what Xavier Robinson becomes at the next level, and I don't think anybody has to know right now. All you know is that you're getting a guy that rushed for nearly 2,600 yards last year for Carl Albert as a junior, scored over 40 times, and averaged upwards of nine yards per carry. So, dude can play ball. Those are like uh, Greg Pruitt averages back in the day. When Greg Pruitt averaged uh, something along those lines back in that uh, 1971 season, it was unbelievable. Nine yards a carry, we'll cut it. Uh, Probably won't happen in college, but you love this kid. If you see the highlights and you hear him talk, you like what he has to say. Close, obviously, with DeMarco. Loves Brent, loves the culture there. And he also, I believe, is now, as the Sooners' ninth commitment, going to be able to help in recruiting as well. In fact, Xavier Robinson talked about that last night. You know, David Stone is the, is the main key, you know, because once you get David Stone, you know, that can, bring, that can bring a lot of other guys, you know, that he has relationships with, like I said. But, you know, Michael, I uh, also want to bring Michael in. My, uh, he's a great guy. I think, believe he's very, he's very mature. We always play against each other growing up. I love to be able to, you know, be on teams with him. It's, it's, really, it's really amazing, you know, seeing the guys you always grew up with being, being successful, successful in life and all, and all getting the same offer from the same school. There you go. And uh, here's what he also had to say because, as Parker said, this is the Sooners' first running back commit in this class. They are also leading on Taylor Tatum. They appear to be leading on Caden Durham. Xavier Robinson, yeah, this could be a trio of really talented backs coming in this class that would be just spectacular. And Xavier said yesterday, uh, yeah, you know, 
that would be a great situation. So what would it be like for him to also play with Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham? Uh, man, that would be, be exciting. I mean, uh, having a lot of top running backs, you know, at all at one school, you know, being able to share a rod, you know, especially with guys, you know, that's not selfish with it and you um, have it with high character, you know, that's really mature about the game. Uh, I think that would be really exciting. It can go really, really far. There you go. And Parker Thune, right now you are still feeling good that the Sooners, uh, you think more than likely where we are right now on this Wednesday, June 28th, are still likely to sign that entire trio. I consider it likely, yes. And given where things stand with Tatum in particular, as far as his timeline, we don't know exactly what it is, but every indication is that it's going to be pretty soon. Right. And so you can safely assume that Tatum's going to end up in the class unless something changes substantially. Caden Durham is the one whose timeline is a little bit murkier and he's tossing around the possibility of taking a bunch of visits in the fall and uh, maybe carrying his recruitment later into uh, the football season so I think there will need to be some acceleration done there on the part of the Oklahoma staff if they really want to get Caden Durham in the class but look as of right now yeah I I would project that both running backs end up at Oklahoma you get a three-fold class three backs all very different in terms of what they bring to the table in terms of their skill sets within the backfield that's going to be one of the biggest coups that Oklahoma has pulled off recruiting the running back position in years, maybe decades. On paper, that might be the best class of running backs Oklahoma has ever signed. That's not to say they become the best once they get to Norman and uh, you know once they hit the field for real. But, gosh, you can't really poke a hole in that class of running backs because if two end up busting and the third ends up an All-American, you'll take that. You'll take that any day of the week. You don't need to count on all three of those guys being players at the next level because with how many options you have and how many different styles of running backs you would have in that theoretical class, there's so much that you can do, so much that you can accomplish, so much those guys can bring to an offense like Jeff Lebby's were they to end up in the same class with one another at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, and it's interesting you think about great duos recently, Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan, obviously two very different backs, but a great dynamic duo for OU. Uh, DeMarco Murray was the best player, but Chris Brown was a pretty good option for Oklahoma back in the day as well. I know a lot of OU fans think, man, the Sooners win that matchup with Florida if DeMarco plays. Chris Brown still had a really good game, but it's also an easier sell, I think, now uh, to go out and get – two or you could get three really good running backs because again you don't want a lot of tread on the tires sharing some carries one two punch that kind of stuff because running backs shelf life shelf lives in the nfl is it's not a very long one right and you I know mean, there, that's there are exceptions like adrian peterson but they're very very rare you know uh, I don't know what the average shelf life for a good, solid NFL running back would be, but I would say, what, six to eight years, maybe, top end? I mean, think about who's more qualified to make that pitch and sell that point than DeMarco Murray. 100%. Right. He had a, a solidly above-average NFL career. He won NFL Offensive Player of the Year in 2014. He accomplished more at the running back position at the professional level than many ever will. 
But his career in the NFL only spanned seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And DeMarco, I, I promise you what DeMarco Murray is telling everybody that he's recruiting is, look, man, you remember watching me on Sundays? Because believe me, they do. Kids of this age, they remember watching DeMarco Murray on Sundays for the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles and perhaps even the Tennessee Titans. But what you tell those kids if you're DeMarco Murray is, hey, I was one of the best to do it at the NFL level in the 2010s. But I was done playing professional football by age 30. And so I'm not going to bring you here to Oklahoma and work you to death for three or four years to the point where you're, you've are you only got 80 85% tread left on the tires when it's time for you to make the jump to the NFL. We're going to keep you fresh. We're going to rotate two very capable backs at least in and out of the lineup. And when it's time for you to go play pro ball, you can not only do what I did, but maybe take it a step further because we have stewarded your legs so well here at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, it's look, the old days, man, what did Steve Owens carried it in that bed carried it like fifty five times in a bedlam game? Yes, fifty five. I mean, that's just incredible. And then you think of uh, Earl Campbell at Texas, man, and they used to say, Man, Earl Campbell doesn't hustle back to the huddle. That's because he's carried the ball like forty times. He was conserving energy. I saw Earl Campbell came to do an event when I was doing TV in Wichita Falls, Texas, and he had a cane then and was getting around in a go-kart. And that's been, you know, 30 years ago. So, again, uh, Overstreet, Sims, and King, but I don't think they were in the same class. I think that Sims and King, Overstreet I know is a year behind Billy Sims, but in terms of the best backfield, I would agree with that. I like that backfield trio. Uh, back in the day, and that group should have won a national championship in 1978. Okay, uh, before we get to a break, we have also mentioned, you know, because if you talk about, well, Durham and Tatum, if they come in and they sign this trio, then Xavier Robinson's probably going to be an H-back. We don't know that for sure. What would you say right now? Will Xavier Robinson carry the ball more or catch the ball more? Because Jeremiah Hall is a guy, or a lot of these guys caught the ball you know, just as much, if not more, than they carried it, if they're an H-back. I'll bet you Xavier Robinson catches the ball more than he carries it. I think if OU's best laid plans come to fruition, the guys that are carrying the ball in 2024 are Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes. And then further on down the line, you're dealing with a committee that could include Tatum and Durham and Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks, maybe even Chapman McCown, right? And so – I think given Xavier Robinson's diverse skill set, there will be an emphasis on cultivating versatility and a multifaceted role for him within the Oklahoma offense because I think it plays to his advantage and it plays to Oklahoma's advantage to use him in that kind of Mikey Henderson role that we saw in 2020. Uh, rest in peace to Mikey Henderson's Oklahoma career. But it makes a lot more sense to use Xavier Robinson in that type of role, I think, given the numbers that you will have at the running back position at that point, than just to stick him at a straight-up tailback and try to work him into the fray as a member of that timeshare. Yeah, Bumpy Rhodes just made the comp, uh, the comp to Mikey Henderson as well on our text line. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, we got a lot of text rolling in already from the Ref Army out there. We appreciate that. As we go to break, though, when we get back, Bob Stoops, initials BS, calls BS on something a national host said. <laughs> this is great stuff yesterday with Bob on the rush. 
We'll uh, we'll play back what he had to say when we get back here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Wednesday edition, we're here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Tomorrow's out at Cabins. Cabins Group tomorrow, Riverwind on Friday. Happy to be here in the air-conditioned uh, Buffalo Wild Wings studios of the ref here on this Wednesday. Appreciate you guys and ladies joining us. We'll get back to the Knippelmeyer uh, text line here in just a few, 405-651-3439. All right, so recently on this show, we played the Colin Cowherd clip. We know what it's all about, but Cowherd was saying, look out, maybe Oklahoma is the next Nebraska, and he gave three reasons why. One, they recruit from a state that doesn't produce, uh, you know, enough high-quality football prospects. Two, they're going to a tougher conference, and three, they got the coach wrong. Now, the one about, like, the state of Oklahoma, uh, there is the state, south of uh, of Oklahoma that OU's always done very well in, and they also recruit nationwide, so that was stupid. But they asked him about that statement, Bob Stoops, yesterday when he was on the rush with uh, Teddy and Tyler, about, you know, some of these national people, including Colin Cowherd, saying that, hey, look out, there's a possibility Oklahoma might just be the next Nebraska. Here's what Bob had to say. Those people are, you know, aren't, you know, thinking properly. Where, where's Nebraska located? I heard Colin Coward talking about it because of recruiting. And he said, well, Oklahoma in state, we only signed three or four guys. Well, we're, we're, we're not just Oklahoma. All the right. way down into Dallas is home territory for us, as much as it is anybody else. And that's what they're not taking into account. Nebraska geographically is removed, uh, you know, a, a good ways from from any real strong, fertile recruiting area. We're not. And, and that's, a, that's a big difference. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, we, we fit in the SEC perfectly, and I believe it's going to help us recruit. And, uh, you know, I, I believe we'll handle it just fine. And you can't compare it to, to you know, that's, it's the offseason. They're just filling up airtime. There you go. I love it. You, you could tell, like at the very beginning there, you could you could tell Bob was choosing his words very carefully. Oh, uh, well, and he's 100% right. First of all, Coward said, well, they got the coach wrong, too. Nobody knows that yet. Last year was 6-7. and seven. I'm still a believer. Now, again, maybe I'll be proven a fool. I've been proven a fool many times in my life, but I don't think I'm going to be on this long term. But – Again, the University of Oklahoma, yes, you try and get the best players in state, but you're all over the place, and mainly in the state of Texas. And uh, they've always been great, as Bob said, in the Dallas area. Oklahoma owns that territory as much as anybody else. Texas, TCU's made more inroads there. But guess what? Oklahoma's always doing very well there. Always. Where's Michael Hawkins from? He's from the state of Texas. More specifically, Dallas. Yes, Jaden Hardy, now Louisville isn't quite Dallas, but Jaden Hardy, also from the state of Texas. You've got uh, Dozy Azukama from the uh, DFW area already. That's that's three right there in this class. And, uh, you know, more to come, more to come. And Bob also said something that is 100% accurate, and we do it too. And uh, this is the statement that Bob made. It's the offseason. They're just filling up airtime. <laughs> 100%. 100%. The thing about Bob that I always liked is he doesn't have any patience for BS. 
He really doesn't. Like, you know, I thought it was a stupid question then. I think it's a stupid question now, you know. Bob versus Hoover, the Bob versus Hoover days. But um, he just, you know, he calls calls BS on that because it is. Now, again, is Oklahoma going to have a tougher time in the SEC? 100%. But to compare, Parker, you're a Nebraska kid. You know yeah. what it's all about. And Nebraska back in the day, they got kids from Nebraska. I think Johnny Rogers was an Omaha guy, if I'm not mistaken. Or from, wasn't he? Or was he a California guy? I can't remember. Yeah, uh, That's before my time. But I know, think, where was Tommy Frazier from? Florida? Where was Tommy Frazier from? I believe he was from Florida. Uh, Irving yeah, Fryer right. back in the Turner Gill was from uh, DFW. The Sooners thought they were going to get Turner Gill. They sent Enos Seymour down to get his signature, the baseball coach, because Turner Gill was a baseball player too. Nebraska hit him out and signed him on signing day. They couldn't find him. Where was Mike Rozier from? Junior College in New Jersey. Where was Steve Taylor from? quarterback you know that played against the Sooners back in those big 80s games California Broderick Thomas I believe was maybe a Texas kid so again they also recruited pretty well uh Lawrence Phillips California kid but they also had that great walk-on program for a long time and yes corn-fed beef and yes here's here's the here's the deal here's why Oklahoma's not the next Nebraska and I have underscored this point many a time but I'll do it again As Nebraska sunk lower and lower and lower over the years, and they reached their lowest point under Scott Frost, as they sunk lower, they did not reevaluate and adjust their recruiting philosophy accordingly. Because when you are not winning and you do not have the same cultural strength that marked your program when it was at the zenith of college football, what you have to do is you have to localize your recruiting base. You have got to focus on bringing in the kids, even if they're three-star kids, even if they're kids that don't have a ton of P5 offers or any other P5 offers, you've got to focus on bringing in the kids that hail from your territory and want to wear your uniform and want to work to elevate your program to heights that it has never seen before, or at least that it hasn't seen in a while. You know, a, you know who laid the perfect blueprint for this? Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. And what Nebraska continued to do was try to recruit from California and Florida and Texas, and they'd lose those recruiting battles because as you got further along down the chronological timeline, the Nebraska brand did not carry the same weight with those kids that it would have for their predecessors five, ten years earlier. And what you see with Nebraska right now under Matt Rule is that they have ripped that thing down to the studs, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're recruiting locally. They just got a commitment moments ago from the number two tight end in the entire 2024 cycle who happens to hail from a town of 1,700 people out in rural Nebraska. And it's kids like that. And it's, I mean, you kind of luck into a kid like that every now and again, you know, somebody that's athletic enough to be considered top five in the nation at his position. You'll luck into a kid like that every now and again. But for the most part, for where a program like Nebraska is right now, they're going to have to settle for local three-star talent Matt until Rule's they build the culture back up. He was. Now, for Oklahoma, they've had one six and seven season. Nobody looks at the Oklahoma brand right now as tarnished. So Oklahoma isn't to the point, and they won't be at the point for at least another decade or so, where they have to localize their recruiting base in order to build their culture back up to where it once was in their heyday. 
as long as Oklahoma continues to develop talent and continues to field capable offenses that are that can put up points and as long as Brent Venables is progressively improving the program on the defensive side of the ball Oklahoma's not going to sink to such a level to where they're reliant solely on talent from in and around the Sooner State yeah right now they can go to North Carolina and lock down a four-star linebacker like James Nesta they can go up to the state of Washington and sign a blue chip cornerback in Josiah Wagner. They can go to Pennsylvania for Phil Pachotti or Nebraska for Cade McIntyre, Arizona for Jeremiah Newcomb. They can go to Minnesota and be a big player for Wyatt Gilmore or to Iowa and be a big player for Grant Bricks. Oklahoma is so far away from even being on the same plane as Nebraska or even near the same plane as Nebraska that that comparison is immeasurably off base. Ohio Sooner on the text line said, I'd love for Cowherd to tell us who the right coach should be, but that would requ- require critical thinking skills rather than regurgitating inflammatory talking points. Cowherd is trying to engage listeners and fire up a fan base, and he knows that the OU fan base is very easy to fire up. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Tommy Frazier, Bradenton, Florida. Uh, Johnny Rogers was from Omaha. All right, 405-651-3439. Those are the Ortho Central clips of the day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman and in Midwest City, and now that Tri-City location, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. They do a great job. Their clinics do treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Bob Stoops today as the Ortho Central clip of the day. Well, let's take a break right here. When we get back, we'll get to the text line. Baker Mayfield called into the Plank Show. We'll tell you what he had to say about the Sooners, and we'll tell you about his football camp going on Friday, 9-1 over at OU. You can get more information at bakermayfieldcamp.com. That is bakermayfieldcamp.com. Friday. 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. over at OU. Coming right back here on the home of Sooner fans. All right, thanks again to our friends over at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. That is 100% accurate. They have the best games, best promotions, best bars and dining, incredible hotel, great concerts. We are back with shows now at the Showplace Theater. We just had Earth, Wind, and Fire last Friday. Next up, Collective Soul, July 21st. Still tickets available for Josh Turner, July 28th. The Counting Crows, August 25th. And shows down the road, Foreigner, Rodney Carrington, and Aaron Lewis. Get your tickets online at riverwind.com or at the Showplace Theater box office inside the casino. Beats and Bites next up. Big celebration, July 8th. The music of Mark Chestnut. On the Beats and Bites stage, presented by Coop Ale Works, Mark Chestnut, the headliner, with Shannon Doe and Tracy Bird. Big-time fireworks display afterwards. All the best local food trucks will be out there. Games for the kids. Bring your folding chairs, your lawn chairs. Have a great time outdoors at the uh, Mark Chestnut Show with Shannon Doe and Tracy Bird, July 8th and August. August 26th, the music of Gary Allen and some great promotions starting in July. Soon to come, the 60K double play and double winnings promotion where you can win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play. Also coming in July, the 20K Mad Dash with a blast where you can win your share of 20K. And you'll have a chance to win up to $2,500 in cash. Always something happening at the one and only Riverwind Casino. All right, Baker Mayfield 
has his camp in town in Norman on Friday over at OU. You can get more information at BakerMayfieldCamp.com. That is BakerMayfieldCamp.com. He was on the Plank Show earlier this morning, and here's what Baker had to say about what's going on right now with the Sooners and, uh, you know, uh, his thoughts on the current state of Oklahoma football. I'm excited. You know, it's obviously transitional years are extremely hard, and for people to think that uh, we're just going to continue the success, it's it's really not plausible. Um, I mean, we lost a lot of guys, some of the starters and the faces that kind of were the face of the culture. So I think I think he's done a great job of just holding on to, to what we had and then continuing to build it and not, not hit the panic button. That, that's the best part to see is we're going to be just fine no matter what. Um, and so I, I just think it's only going to get better and better is uh, – the days go on with him. There you go. Baker on the Plank Show earlier today right here on The Ref. We're proud to be a sponsor of his camp, BakerMayfieldCamp.com. That is BakerMayfieldCamp.com. And again, Friday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. over at OU. So if you need more information, you want to sign your kid up, it's BakerMayfieldCamp.com. All right, before we go to the text line, so I want to tell this story one more time because I think I only told it uh, once, maybe twice on the radio, but I don't know. I, I just always like this story. So Shay's mom passed away not long ago. And last summer they used to, they had gone to uh, the Bahamas. And when Shay was, you know, a kid, they went to a place called Cable Beach over there. And her mom had mentioned, you know, it'd be great if I could have my ashes spread here one day. So we decided we would go over to the Bahamas and uh, with, with family, uh, Shay's brother and uh, you know, his wife and daughter and myself and Shay. So we go over there. We have a nice vacation. We go to Cable Beach and spread the ashes and everything. We had, a, we had a great time. So we are coming back from the Bahamas last summer, and we're going through customs, going coming back, you know, to, uh, to Oklahoma. We go through customs in uh, the Bahamas, and Shay says, oh, my gosh, that's Baker and Emily. And they're going through what looks to be an express line for really important people because, you know, we're, we're kind of important, but we're not Baker and Emily important, you know. And I don't know if that was the case or not, but they went straight through on this line. And this is – he had just learned that he'd been traded to Carolina. So I only saw them walking down, you know, towards the gate. They were probably 30, 40 yards away from me by the time. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't think that's Baker and Emily. I just saw him from the back. And Shay, who is a huge, my wife, a huge Baker Mayfield fan, like, oh, no, I know. It's Baker and Emily. It's Baker and Emily. So Shay wants to catch up with them. And, you know, they were well ahead of us, and they were headed to their gate to get on a plane. Uh, But Shay, if you can imagine trying to catch up with him, looks like one of those Olympic fast walkers, you know going you know towards the gate and there's a food court over there so we we go make a turn right turn and there's the food court and sure enough baker and emily are sitting down at the table getting ready to get a little food before they hop on their plane so shay's like i gotta go over there i gotta go over there and get a picture and i'm like no shay don't shay don't they they get that all the time let's just leave them alone and let them eat okay all right She's like, okay, and I can tell she's disappointed. So we go over, we get a slice of New York pizza at this place, and we go sit down. We're we're a ways away from Baker and Emily, but as Shay is nibbling on her pizza, I can see the disappointment in her face. Like, I really want to go over there. But, again, I was saying, no, please don't do it. 
They get this all the time. So finally we're sitting there and she just hands me her phone and says, <laughs> we're doing it. I'm like, really? And she goes, yes. You don't get many chances like this. If I don't take this picture, I'm going to regret it. So I'm like, okay. So we waddle over there. I feel like I'm kind of taking the walk of shame because I've never been one of those to bother anybody like that. I'm just like, just, you know, they get that all the time. Please, let's not. But they could have been nicer. So I took the picture and Shay was very happy about it. And Shay's a huge Baker fan. She went to the event they had up at Top Golf recently, uh, Meals on Wheels, and all of that stuff. And you know, if Shay was a little younger, she'd probably go through football camp just to, you know, because she's a huge Baker fan. So I just remember that moment where she had her pizza and she's staring straight ahead, and she's kind of like, she's very disappointed, and just hands me her phone and says, "Nope, we're doing this. You're taking the picture." So, and I will send that picture out right now. If you follow me at Steely on Sports, this was the pic in the uh, food court in the airport in the Bahamas. And Baker and Emily couldn't have been nicer. And Baker Mayfield's camp again. Uh, we're a proud sponsor, BakerMayfieldCamp.com. Tomorrow, uh, Friday, rather, Friday, 9 to 1 p.m. So if you want to get in there last second, get your kid involved there, you get. You know, like a, a picture with Baker, an autographed T-shirt, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, instruction from Baker Mayfield, obviously. But I just sent the picture out. This is the picture from the airport last summer. So, anyway, uh, Shay basically said, you're doing it. And I did. Happy wife, happy life, right? Okay, 405-651-3439. On, we stayed at uh, Atlantis, Patrick. Um, and then we, we had a great uh, driver that would take us around the island. We told him we needed to get to Cable Beach, and he took us there. And we had a nice uh, meal of uh, cuisine from the Bahamas, and then we spread the ashes there. It was, it was a great deal. Okay, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. From a listener in the 405, did you drop that you're a regional radio star on Baker? I don't ever drop that stuff. I'm a peon. Why would I? Yeah, I guess what? No, of course not. But I remember were... you dropping that on uh, Dave McCullough's high school counselor. I did do that, yes. <laughs> that was done sarcastically, though. But anyway. Yeah, boy. Somebody from the 918 says, there went a segment. Yeah, thank you, 918. There went your IQ, man. Put your wranglers on. Get out there and wrestle up some cattle or whatever, will you? Loser. <laughs> Shut <Wow>. up. <laughs> Doc says, Parker, you have seemed more confident about Eddie Pierre-Louis than most. Can you share any intel or insights? So the intel on Eddie Pierre-Louis is that his recruitment right now is an OU-UCF battle. And... That's a battle that, understandably, you would figure Oklahoma can and should win, Steely. Like, if you lose a head-to-head battle with UCF, I mm-hmm. get that it's a Florida kid, yeah. but it's UCF, you know? And I, I guess we've been surprised before, but it really feels like that's a battle that Oklahoma should win in the long run. OU versus UCF. Like, if, that's, mm-hmm. if, that, if those are really the final two schools to which – Eddie Pierre-Louis narrows his recruitment. It almost has to be OU, doesn't it? You would think, yeah. has the proximity advantage. Oklahoma's got every other advantage in the book. 
UCF will be the best of the bunch coming in this year, at least, in the Big 12, right? It's going to be UCF will probably be first. I mean, uh, BYU's coming off a horrible year. Houston didn't have a very good year. Um, Cincinnati, Luke Fickle on to Wisconsin. So, we don't know. But UCF appears to be the one that will be the most formidable uh, this year uh, in the new Big 12. Okay, 405-651-3439 on the uh, Kadippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. That's 405-651-3439. Um, what about uh, Aaron Parks in the uh, transfer portal? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> – <laughs> I guess that's I guess that's news. I don't know how significant it is, but I it, it's news. He did play in the that Cheez It Bowl. Played pretty well though, right? Played pretty decent he in the Cheez It okay Bowl. In the Cheez It Bowl. Look, that's that's a guy that realistically was never going to start at Oklahoma. I mean, he, if you separated the offensive line group into tiers, mm-hmm. he was decidedly a second and perhaps even third tier option. Well, yeah, and you bring in Caleb just, Schaefer and Walter Rouse. Well, uh, he just you, hadn't progressed, really. Mm-hmm. Like, you weren't seeing consistent improvement year over year with Aaron Parks to the point where he was legitimately challenging well, for a Was he the kid job. from Maryland, by the way? Yes. Did he come yes, in with Maryland. Caleb? No, he was a class before Caleb. He was class of 2020. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which that's would have right. been the same cycle as Anton Harrison, if I'm not mistaken. So the Sooners had two uh, D.C. area offensive tackles in that class, in addition to Nate Anderson and Andrew Rame. So, I mean, in terms of their ranking, that's probably Bill Biedenboe's best class to date. None of those guys uh, – well, I shouldn't say none of those guys. Rame has turned out, but Harrison has had been – some injury the, issues, Yeah, but Harrison been good, has been the good. one that has really exploded, obviously. You know, he, he turned into Biedenboe's first ever first-round draft pick. I mean, there's a good – Nate Anderson and Aaron Parks just haven't. Rouse and Schaefer in the portal will probably start, right? Rouse at left tackle, Schaefer at guard. You probably are looking at Rouse and Tyler Guyton at the tackle spots. Uh, who do you think Schaefer, Savion Bird at the guard spots? And obviously Andrew Raymond center. Does that sound I right? Would, I would probably go with at least to start. To start the season, I'll bet you it's McCade Mattire and Caleb Schaefer at guard. I think there's a point at which Savion Bird finds his way on the field. The Mattire early. I, but I bet you they go yeah. with Mattire early. Okay, let's take a break right here. 405-651-3439. Keep those texts rolling in. We appreciate it very much. we got a lot more ahead. It's going to be hot out there today. Has it reached the century mark yet? Not quite. It was supposed to get up to 105 today. You guys, thank you for all the texts. I appreciate it. 405-651-3439. Let's talk more sooner recruiting. A little college football. That's where we like to uh, reside most of the time. We'll do that next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Final segment, first hour. First hour brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. They will do great work for you at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Tomorrow out at Cavens Group. Friday out at Riverwind Casino. Can't wait to get out to both of those places. And... Um, Let's talk a little more pseudo-recruiting as we wrap up this hour. So, Xavier Robinson becomes the Sooners' ninth commitment. That came down last night, 6 o'clock. We played some Xavier Robinson sound uh, earlier. But um, we're going to play a little more, by the way, next hour. So, what are we thinking? Give me uh, the next commitment will come from which set of names? 
Taylor Tatum, Wyatt Gilmore, Jason Ross, Zion Raggins. Are those the four? Are there, is there another one out there that I'm not thinking of? It'll be one of those four. You've got that paywall smile going <laughs> right now. No further hints. And how soon do you think this will be happening? Within the next 24 hours. So July is going to be a big month, too. for, And that would be June, obviously, but you're still thinking July is going to be a big month for OU. Yeah, July will be the biggest month of the year in recruiting for Oklahoma. I still think that's where the majority of your decisions are going to happen. I mean, Tyler and I have set the over-under at 6.5 commits for the month. Uh, that might be a little bit on the conservative side, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Todd Midland wants to know, what about Massey? He could uh, commits tomorrow. I think that one is going Nebraska's direction. And Caden Massey's recruitment has just been – well, not I, I don't know that it's been weird. I think the word I would use is just different. <laughs> and, you know, you get a small-town Kansas kid, and he's kind of got those – he's kind of got those small-town proclivities and wants to stay reasonably close to home. Uh, he just put out his top four. Look, it's not going to be Ole Miss. Uh, for the – for the longest time now, it's really been Oklahoma, Kansas State, Nebraska, much the same as it's been for Grant Bricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Doc wants to know if you feel confident about Bricks. By the way, Doc, and uh, by the way, I do just, still feel good about Bricks. J Dog and Amarillo also wanted to know about Massey, so you helped uh, J Dog and Amarillo and Todd in Midland there. By the way, <laughs> Patrick says Parker's new nickname is Paywall. Paywall Thune. <laughs> Parker, welcome, Parker. You just need to get some dollar sign tattoos somewhere. Yeah, listen, folks. I mean, you got to make your money. I mean, eight eight bucks a month at OUinsider.com. You can hear all of what I can't say on the live radio airwaves. And I say quite a bit on the live radio airwaves, but there's a lot more that gets said behind that paywall. You do, and, you you know, you got to make your money, you know. I, I, we get it. I'm just messing with you. You know that. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. From the 405, the question that rolls in every day, any word on David Stone? I reserve the right to say nothing in response. I'm not, I'm not even pleading the fifth. I'm just saying nothing. Here's the deal. And uh, 405, we love you. I'm not afraid to say that in a very plutonic way. We love you. Thank you for tweeting and thank you being, for being a member of the Ref Army. But if there was any word on David Stone right now, the words would be everywhere. Yeah, trust me. Trust me. If there were word on David Stone, word worth sharing, we'd lead the show with it. Word up. Sorry. I was thinking cameo there. All right. But yes. Uh, Normally, like I said, if there's anything happening with David Stone, it's going to be everywhere. So we'll see. But anything surprising to you that was said by Xavier Robinson in any of his meeting with the media afterwards? I know Brandon, I think, had him on as well. Anything stand out to you? I mean, I, th- I think what stood out to me was he was asked the question and he gave a real good 
honest answer about the possibility of playing with Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham, and that's what I, I think is most important for Oklahoma fans to understand about that group is that you, you want to play that clip of, again real quick. Yeah, we, we have time. We it's might only as like well. Thirty-five seconds. This was a yes. He he did talk about the possibility of playing with Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham. Uh, man, that'll be that'll be exciting. I mean, uh, having a lot of top running backs, you know, at all at one school, you know. Being able to share a rock, you know, especially with guys, you know, that's not selfish with it and you um, have it with high character, you know, that's really mature about the game. Uh, I think that would be really exciting. It can go really, really far. There you go. So there you go. And he said, you know, he also mentioned uh, he would love to be able to, he's going to keep talking with David Stone and uh, Michael Patterson McDonald, of course, from uh, Westmore. And uh, there's a, uh, if you throw Durham in that mix, right, you get, you still think there's a really good chance they get all four of those guys. I'm talking about the Oklahoma guys, Stone, Robinson, Michael Patterson, McDonald, Caden Durham, of course, who's in Texas now, but was in more for a while, obviously. Um, so we'll see. Somebody wants to know in the 918, is Tatum a speedster type back or a bruiser? More a speedster than a bruiser. I mean, he's got some break tackle ability, but he's five foot 10, 205 pounds. Uh, kind of got that, you know, not not necessarily stocky build, but stout build. Really, you talk about your prototypical workhorse running back. That's kind of what Taylor Tatum is. Now he's not going to be a workhorse at Oklahoma because Demarco Murray is mm-hmm. going to spread the load. But and Durham this is, is, the, is the speedster guy. Yes, very much so. But Tatum's the number one running back in the country because he fits the mold of what an ideal running back is. Good question, nine one eight. Thank you. People want to know that stuff. All right, let's take a break right here. Got another hour to go. I want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour. We've got another 60 minutes to go right here on the ref. All right, welcome back. Hour number two. Hi, I'm Mike Steely, an aging regional radio star. Not really. Alongside the young media prodigy, Parker Paywall Thune. Here on this. Diving right in with both feet (laughs) with the new moniker. How we doing, everybody? Welcome in hour number two. Let's uh, hit up the text line again here in a minute. 405-651-3439. Shout out to the one, the only, Dr. Bellardo. You're talking about a legend in the vision correction business. Dr. Bellardo. He's the uh, he's the Michael Jordan of that business is what he is. If you want to eliminate your reading glasses, you get a text from somebody, and again, you got to hold your phone like ten yards away. What is what does that say? Or you got to move it right up here in front of your face. You don't want to do that. So if you're either farsighted or nearsighted, you need to call my guy, Dr. Bellardo. I've known him for years. The staff over there is unbelievable. They make it so easy, super comfortable. Totally trust them. Check them out and see if you qualify for lens replacement or cataract surgery from the experts at Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Dr. Bellardo and his team, they have been the absolute leaders in vision correction now for well over 20 years. You can call them at this number, 405-755-7700. That's 405-755-7700. Get your free consultation from Dr. B or just go to alcok.com. Like they always say there, if you want to see far, you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. All right, by the way, it is uh, Wednesday, June 28, 2023, and Mule Shoe is still wanted for crimes against 
the Sooner Nation. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. End of discussion. Next question. You know, I vouched for that man. At one time in my life, I vouched for that man. I vouched for that dry-ass brisket, (laughs) too. We defended his brisket. I know. I remember saying on another radio station, you know, Bob ever steps down. This Lincoln Riley looks like he's got all the qualities to be a really good head coach. Smart guy. Bright guy. Offensive guru. But you do not do what you did to the University of Oklahoma. So I think every day until he goes to the NFL or something, Mule Shoes branded theme will be played. Scorned is the one who ran. So anyway. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Brian in Tulsa says, every time I hear Colin Cowherd speak, all I hear is the Charlie Brown's teacher <laughs> wah, 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 sounds. That's right. That's right. I like it. Scorned. But what is what is that about, Bob? Uh, Mad Bob is fun. Yes, Bob. Can you play, just pull the Bob clip again? Hey, it's off. It's the off season. This is so good too. It's the off season. They're just filling up airtime. That's right. Truer words have never been spoken. I mean, that's three days in a row that we've run the Mule Shoe branded open. So. I don't know. We that, are as guilty may, as anyone. <laughs> should it become a permanent fixture? Yes or no? What do you think, Tax Line? Should the Mule Shoe branded open become a permanent fixture? We play once a day until he is apprehended by the authorities. The University of Oklahoma police. Can they do a SWAT-like operation and just pull him back and jail him? I mean, OU should have a student jail, and they could just go in there with the student. Well, he, he would have to be extradited to Norman first. Mm-hmm. He's found safe haven in California. Like I said, the biggest hillbilly to have a mansion out there in California since Jed Clampett. Muleshoe. By the way, Tim in Missouri says, Parker, you are wrong. Tatum is not the number one running back. It's obviously the Texas commit that's the true number one. (laughs) Much like Arch is the greatest quarterback to ever throw a ball based solely on his amazing high school career. Even better than Tom Brady. Third team Arch Manning, by the way. Yeah, not even the backup. The Mighty Quinn, then Malik Murphy, and then Arch Manning. What are the chances that Arch Manning becomes a total bust at Texas? I, what are the chances? You're asking me? I yeah. would say the chances are greater than 50%. Do you really? Do I think he ever lives up to the consensus number one overall recruit in the entire 2023 class billing no no i've never believed that and as many on this program can vouch for that opinion of arch manning is not based solely on the fact that he attends the university of texas that opinion i have held since long before he ever committed to texas long before texas ever led in his recruitment what was the what was his high school again it was an evangel what is it where did he uh isidore newman Okay, that's right, Newman. And that's where Peyton was, right? Cooper yes. and all of them. But um, 
you know, you look at the competition, They in some of his highlight films, he, like, scrambled for a touchdown, and it looked like the defensive linemen were, like, 5-4 guys running six flat 40s or something. They looked like band kids. Yes. But as we said long time ago, maybe he turns out to be really good. We don't know. I mean, uh, Peyton was great. Eli was pretty good. Won two Super Bowls. He was kryptonite for uh, – for uh, Tom Brady, of course, but I don't know. Like I said, if he was Arch Smith or Arch Johnson, he probably wouldn't have been as highly rated. So, anyway. Five Star Randy asks, if Mule Shoe were a brand, what kind of products would it be on? I don't know. It's a good question. What do you think? I mean, <laughs> depends on... <laughs> Depends on whether we're trying to keep this show PG or whether we're going to elevate it to PG-13. Uh-oh, it's getting it's getting dangerous here. Chuck says, hey, Paywall, oh, did boy. you ever catch up with Winnery? I have not yet caught up with Williams. Is he not answering no. your calls? He's being dodgy. Did, a Georgia you know fight, did the Georgia fight song play on his ringtone when he were <laughs> – uh, From a listener of the 405, is Devon Mitchell going to OU? I still feel good about Devon Mitchell. Miami money, the big factor. Miami there. money is what you got to worry about. By the way, uh, if you saw the Ross Dellinger story today, the NCAA is uh, issuing a very stern warning about NIL. Where did this come from? Uh, they're going to make sure that you must follow rules, even if they conflict with your state laws. If there's a conflict between the NCAA guidelines and you your state laws, you're still supposed to follow the NCAA guidelines. Oklahoma recently passed that. Uh, Arkansas has that. State of Colorado, Texas is working on it right now. And then uh, number two, entities such as school foundations are prohibited from NIL and offering donor incentives for NIL giving. So is the NCAA actually capable of cracking down on name image likeness? Because is the NCAA powerful enough right now to be an enforcement agency, or are they just going to run championship events? They already got their butts kicked in, in the Supreme Court ruling. Do they want to go back and try again? I don't know. But, look, I would like some more guidelines. But as long as it's the Wild Wild West, you know, you were, you were thinking about, you know, remember the governor was getting more grief than anything about holding back on the NIL legislation. Uh, recently, and they passed that. And you always knew it was going to pass, but I don't know. Can the NCAA still enforce rules? Are they powerful enough? And are they willing to go to court, or will the feds ever make some kind of decision on NIL? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I'm not a smart man. But uh, the federal government usually doesn't do things really quickly. The NCAA generally doesn't do things very quickly either. Like how long did it take them to strip Reggie Bush of his Heisman? A little while. Took a little while, that's for sure. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because, look, everybody, everybody's trying to uh, massage these rules. You know, it's not supposed to be an enticement to come to the school. The school and uh, found, like they put here, you know, foundations or groups that are affiliated with the school aren't supposed to entice players. But, look, it's like I said, it's the wild, wild west still out there right now. So we'll see. 
3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. From the 918, if Mule Shoe were a car, he would be a Jaguar. Looks awesome, but once you buy it, you find out it's a piece of crap. The Normanite asks, what, have your, what are your honest thoughts about the tight end position slash recruiting? And what we have after Stogner goes to the NFL. No one is talking about Joe John. What's the plan if Mitchell doesn't qualify for 2024 or picks Miami? Uh, I, I will be the first to admit, if Devon Mitchell picks Miami, I have no idea what the recourse is. Absolutely no idea. Can they still but, go get Malachi Coleman? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could tamper, but that kid's not leaving Nebraska at this point. You missed your, missed your chance on that one. So I I frankly do not know. I do not know what the plan B would be if Devon Mitchell were to pick Miami. I do know he is going to reclassify into 2024. That is happening. And it will be official and finalized in August. But if he picks Miami, man, I... It's almost like you're back to square one. Because Cooper Alexander committed mm-hmm. to Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there there hasn't really been. I mean, Ivan Carrion, you just throw the kitchen sink at that kid and be yeah, like, what hey, is happening you. with Ivan Carrion? Nobody knows for sure right now, Steely. Nobody does. There's varying degrees of confidence in the Texas Tech camp, in the OU camp, and even the, in the Purdue camp. But kind of like Caden Massey to a certain extent, he's a very, very hard kid to read with any degree of certainty. And that's because and Massey will talk. Like, Massey will talk. Carry on does not. Carry on won't talk to anybody. You know what we should do for Ivan Carry on is play Carry on, my wayward son, <laughs> into the break. That's what we should do. If he ends up flipping to Oklahoma, we'll play that, that for every single bumper that is day. Is that an enticement? A lot of these Mule Shoe sponsorships that you call for, we, we can't read in the air. Yeah, exactly. And this is what I was concerned about. Yeah. Is like, do we want to keep this show PG? Do we want to keep it? Do we want to toe the line with the FCC? I would rather not. But there's some fantastic suggestions as to what the Mule Shoe brand would appear on. Rat poison depends. Those will those will work, but some of them are not. Uh, Pepto Bismol is a Mule Shoe brand. Some of these are yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Rent from Jenks. Yeah. Here's one that's wholesome. If a if a cereal. Grape nuts. They're the worst. <laughs> Gosh, I haven't seen grape nuts in years. I imagine they're still in stores. I just, I don't eat breakfast cereal in general. And also, I like. I feel like grape nuts are the kind of cereal at this point that, like, are on the very end of the aisle in mm-hmm. the bottom corner. So they're not on eye level or super Weren't noticeable. Like, like you got to be going to look for grape nuts grape if you're going to get them. Was that the one that Yule Gibbons used to promote back in the day? Like late sixties, early seventies, that basically is like putting a small tree branch through your colon once you eat grape nuts. Anybody out there remember Yule Gibbons? Doubtful, very doubtful. You have to be super old. You most likely will be in Depends right now if you remember the name Yule Gibbons. Maybe. Maybe he ate pine cones or something. Now we have you a, talk about a series of older references <laughs> lost on younger co-hosts. All right, let's break right here. We'll get back to the text line, 405-651-3439. Colt McCoy talking about the current state of Texas football and the hopes for Arch Manning. 
Oh, boy. We'll have that when we get back here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Longhorn Nation, we're back. Oh, the Longhorns are getting their usual offseason hype. The message of you're still not back will be sent September 9th on a Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right? Although the Horns had their chances against Alabama last year, couldn't close the deal. Bryce Young made some big plays down the stretch. But Texas, I believe, is going to be the team that will be picked to win the Big 12 in the preseason media poll. Maybe Kansas State. But I think people will look and see that Texas is hosting K-State in Austin November 4th and uh, probably give the slight edge to Texas, would be my guess. Colt McCoy, all those duels with Sam Bradford back in the day. Colt McCoy, man, he is – what is Colt McCoy, like 55 years old now? He's I been think in he's the like NFL. 36. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's – he is – I don't know who's lasted longer, Colt McCoy or Chase Daniel. Were they right around the same time, weren't they? Chase Daniel held on for a long time, too. Has held on. But uh, Colt McCoy was on uh, Chris Long's podcast, Howie Long's son. And it was asked about the current state of Texas football, the fan base, and the hopes for Arch Manning. When, When Coach Brown was there, and I started getting recruited there. They, we, Texas had won 10 games in a row for like 11 straight years, right? So, so the program was, was competing, and they were you know, performing at a high level. They were getting all the recruits they wanted. And then, obviously, we've had a dip over the last 12 or 13 years or what, what, however long it's been. Uh, I think Texas is just – they're really starving to, like, win 10 games again. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden – they get the number one recruit in the country, which the only other time they've ever done that, I think, was when they got Vince Young. And so now, like the expect—I mean, the expectations for him on campus, I'm sure, are crazy, right? Yeah. And that's not necessarily fair to him. You know who did win ten games at Texas? Colt McCoy, Tom Herman. Oh, who's the? Well, he needed a bull win. He needed a bull win to was, get to ten wins. That, Keep in mind that was the Sam Ellinger Holly Rowe clip right there, right? Uh huh. Last time. Texas won 10 games in the regular season was Colt McCoy's senior year. Mm-hmm. That's how long it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you look at their schedule this year, you know, you think about week two, they play Alabama. They have Rice at home to start the season. They go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, they have Wyoming at home. They have to go to Baylor. They've got Kansas at home, OU in Dallas, at Houston, BYU in Austin, K-State in Austin. They have to go to TCU. They have to go to Iowa State, and then they have Texas Tech at home. So, Bama's going to be a loss. Bama may not have the quarterback situation figured out. We'll see. But they'll still beat Texas and Tuscaloosa. And hopefully, solidly. Uh, But you figure Rice is a win, Wyoming's a win. What about in Waco against Baylor? Toss-up? Texas might... That should be a win. Like, should be, yes. But, but again, it's Texas, so can't ever take it to the bank. Kansas at home. Again, the, should be a win. Can't count on it. All right, between in Waco, Kansas at home, and the Sooners in Dallas, I'm going to give the Longhorns 
one loss there okay, somewhere. Okay, yeah, two and one, I think that's fair. So you're looking at one, two, three, four. Houston's a win, five. BYU at home is a win. That's six and two. And then you have K-State at home. That's going to be the, the big one right there. Uh, you have to go to TCU. I think maybe nine and three for Texas. What do you think? A loss to Bama, a loss to either Baylor at Baylor or in the Cotton Bowl to OU, and then a loss either at home against K-State or at TCU. I'll say they win eight games again. Eight and four? Eight and four. Because, yeah, they brought in some transfers. Yeah, they reloaded. Yeah, you'd expect – You'd expect that Quinn Ewers is more efficient this year than he was last year. But they also lose B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, Much easier said than done to replace the void that those guys leave. That receiving core is really good, though. But there's no doubt about that. Well, they just got to have somebody who can get them the football. That's true. And Quinn Ewers, we talked about it, you know, a couple weeks ago. As much, you know, Dylan Gabriel takes some criticism from Oklahoma fans. There's some that text us in, he's trash, you know. His numbers were, in some areas, almost twice as good as Quinn Ewers. In turn, not quite twice, you know, yardage-wise, but uh, he almost, I think he doubled or was close to doubling um, Quinn Ewers in touchdowns. They threw the same amount of interceptions. He had a bunch more yards thrown for than Quinn Ewers. His quarterback rating, however you look at it, there are a lot of ways to do that. The three I looked at, Dylan Gabriel was well ahead of Quinn Ewers. Yet again, you see these people that think Quinn Ewers is going to be a high draft pick or Quinn Ewers, sleeper in the Heisman Trophy race. I'm not buying it yet. From a listener to the 405, check this out. JT Daniels will play Texas in Austin on a third different team. USC 2018, West Virginia 2022, Rice 2023. That's crazy. Yeah, I forgot JT Daniels. Man, he's been around forever. I, does he still have the cheesy mustache, by the way? I don't know. I mean, that's quite the uh, that's quite the geographical trajectory when you think about JT Daniels' collegiate career. You start on the West Coast at USC, mm-hmm. go all the way across the country to Georgia, up to Hillbilly Town to play for West Virginia, and then down to Texas once again, the Houston area, to play for Rice. Does Ewers still have the Joe Dirt hair? No, he got it cut. He got it cut, Big Rich. From the 918, I think behind the Texas O-line, we could plug Steely back there and he'd rush for 1,200 yards and a few touchdowns. The O-line is pretty highly touted. It is. So, you know, and we'll see. You know, that's that's going to be interesting to see how the Sooner D-line stacks up with all the guys coming in from the portal in the Cotton Bowl. That is the uh, – we talked about recently, if you could go back in time, if there was some kind of machine that could erase one memory from your brain, what would it be? And I think a lot of people said last year at the Cotton Bowl. Last year at the Cotton Bowl was the day the music died. Because – and then remember Dylan Gabriel comes out in the pregame. Uh-huh. Like, ah, he's going to play me. Or is it a smoke screen? It was a smoke screen. And then uh, the uh, the passing uh, game was non-existent. Left a lot to be desired. In fact, I would have been um, in favor of Braden Willis running 
the Wildcat the rest of the day. Was it Eric Gray who threw that interception? Yes. Like it was like a and shot you know the, put you, throw. You know what the most damning thing about it all was <laughs> that in post game, Steve Sarkeesian was like, "Yeah, we knew they were going to do that eventually." I mean, they weren't going to just keep running that exact same play over and over and over again. I told the guys at some point they're going to try to pull a little pop pass. So just be ready for it when it comes. And they played right into Steve Sarkeesian's hands. Hmm. And it was a terrible pass, which obviously, like, Eric Ray is not on the field to throw the football. I'm like, if if that's the play you're going to dial up, I, amongst amongst the many issues I had with Oklahoma's approach that day, at least Braden Willis played quarterback in high school. If you're going to have somebody throw that pass, at least give the ball to somebody that has thrown before. How in many? Some, go ahead. In some meaningful situation. How many footballs were thrown directly into the ground? I think Davis Bevel had three or four. Uh, Nick Evers, Nick Evers had kid, one. They brought Nick. <laughs> the one pass he Evers, threw. get in there. Oh, man, I got to transfer out of this place. Jeez. Uh, I mean. And I think Evers' first pass was into the ground. I mean, it was – it set the p- passing football back to the be- very beginnings of football when there was no passing game because there wasn't – it was non-existent. I know. It felt like we were watching an early 20th century matchup between Princeton and <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> All right, uh, that would be the memory to erase. There's no doubt. Boise State, though, says Sooner Soldier. That was a tough one. That was a very tough one. Because you thought when Marcus Walker got the interception, all right, you survived this game. You survived this game. You're going to win it. But no. The old hook and lateral. And then the Ian Johnson proposing to the cheerleader. And Jared Zabransky celebrating. Got the cover of NCAA college football the next year, too. It was it was a very difficult night, no doubt, losing to Boise. Okay, break time, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. That's 405-651-3439. We'll hear from Xavier Robinson and talk more sooner recruiting when we get back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you right here on the home of Sooner fans. Welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios on your Wednesday. Have we uh, topped the century mark? mark? Top the century mark out there? We have right now in uh, Norman. Come on, weather. Let's go. Why isn't this loading? 96 degrees. So, and I'm seeing that it's only going to get up to 101 today. Thursday, 99. I, weren't we seeing like 105 and 107 like earlier in the week? I don't know, but we're not there yet. Okay, I was thinking about this the other day. If you're a longtime Sooner fan, and maybe you're as old as me, which I am older than, was it Methuselah, who is the really old character in the Bible? Yes, you're thinking of Methuselah. Methuselah was how old? Uh, 969 years of age. Nine, six, man, Teddy Lehman might live to 969. He's still in good shape. But what is the one thing that you hold on to when it comes to Sooner football as a kid, that is like your fondest memory or the one thing that really stands out to you. It doesn't have to be a game. It can be anything. And for me, it is the wishbone. It is the wishbone. 
My first OU game was 1970. First, first Sooner game was a loss. My dad took me to see Oklahoma play Kansas State. And the Sooners uh, were struggling. They were starting you know, to come together maybe a little bit. But uh, Vince Gibson, I believe, was the coach at Kansas State. They had Lynn Dickey, who would later play in the NFL. They had, I think, Mac Heron was on that team. as a running back. Uh, and K-State came to Norman and won the game. And I just remember loud noises. You know, I was like five years old at the time. What was I? Yeah, maybe six. But um, then after that, the next year, they're in the wishbone, and they play in the game of the century. And I just remember I thought the wishbone was the coolest thing ever, and I still do. And by the way, our man uh, Wallace Marsh, big Sooner alum, uh, does a lot, uh, you know, Donations-wise and everything, huge Sooner fan might be listening right now. They are going to be doing a doc on the wishbone, which I cannot wait to see because I thought, and I hate this term when it applies to sports, but I'll use it this time. It was the sexiest offense ever, in my opinion. When the bone was run correctly, when you had Jack Mildren or, uh, you know, J.C. Watts, Thomas Lodge, Jamel Holloway, Steve Davis won two national championships. It was a thing of beauty. Now, eventually, defense has caught up to it a little bit, particularly if you had great athletes who could run also and some good guys up front who were – you know, who were uh, really good, like the Miami teams that were OU's kryptonite, uh, you know, in, in the 80s. But to me, it would be the wishbone. That would be the one thing I would hold on to. I thought, and again, I still like if I see a wishbone offense, executed triple option offense, it's still fun to watch. Like when Army and Navy are running it, you know, I still love watching that. It's really fun. So for me, it would be the wishbone. Let me ask you something. A philosophical question. A quandary, if you will. Do you know how baseball had the whole juiced ball era when McGuire and Conseco and Billy Bond or Barry Bonds, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I was. Th- I was thinking Billy Bowman, I guess. Billy, Billy Bowman and Barry Bonds in my head turned into Billy Bonds. But anyway, you had those guys hitting 60, 70 home runs a year, and it was the golden age of the home run in baseball. But that era kind of came and passed. And you see in the NBA. Uh, there's increasingly a move toward the three-point shot as opposed to the mid-range jumper. And the play styles of the greats of years gone by, like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, uh, is increasingly rarer in today's game as far as basketball. Do you think... That football, and I guess it's it was the discussion about the wishbone that kind of brought this to mind for me. You think there's ever going to be a swing of the pendulum in the other direction in the sport of football? And what what I'm getting at is, obviously, the advent of the spread offense over mm-hmm. the last couple decades under Mike Leach has increased the emphasis on the passing game more so than ever before. Faster personnel, uh, smash mouth football, and even just the quarterback under center have become an anachronism in today's game. Do you think there will be a time down the road where we kind of move towards that old-school style of football once again, or is that permanently a thing of the past? You know, usually something eventually comes back. Like, vinyl records made a comeback. They're back now. It's cool to have vinyl records again. 
if you didn't sell all yours at a garage sale back in the day. But uh, I know Coach Schwitzer has talked about this before, and Coach Schwitzer says there aren't enough disciples out there running the offense. So do I think it could come back? I mean, maybe, but I don't think it could come back uh, and be as big a part of college football as it used to be, you know. And I remember you all, I always said, why don't, why don't like the Dallas Cowboys run the wishbone or something? And the athletes were just too good in the NFL. Uh, but you see even a little bit of triple option in the NFL now. 405 says no one ran the wishbone like Oklahoma did. And I can't wait to see the Wallace Marsh uh, documentary that they're doing interviews for and everything. Uh, it's going to be great. But uh, the late, great Jack Mildren, what a great dude. And I can still remember again. When I first saw the wishbone and you, that initial backfield in 71, you had, uh, you know, jacket quarterback. You had Leon Crosswhite, uh, Joe Wiley at one running back, and, of course, the great Greg Pruitt at the other running back. And I just – I fell in love with that offense and, and still love it to this day. So that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Tax Line. That's a good question, Parker. My guess would be, you know, it's still around some – but I don't it's ever think it's all the service academies, though. Yeah, you know, I, I think I just don't think it would ever be as prevalent. And you know, they just unless you were like BYU or San Diego State back in the day, you just didn't throw the football that much. If it like USC was student body left, student body right, Nebraska was I formation. They later incorporated some option. Uh, Ohio State was I formation with Archie Griffin and those tailbacks. Michigan the same, and you would run the football and you would throw it. You know, if you had third and long. And looking back now, it's kind of amazing that, you know, even some of the offensive coaches back then didn't spread the field and create the one-on-one matchups. The wishbone did, by the way, in many ways. But um, the wishbone was more of a – it was kind of a spread running offense to an extent where you were looking for those one-on-one matchups and whether your halfback had blocked the, uh, you know, the the linebacker, the corner, whoever on the edge – you know, sometimes it'd be a key. And then even Oklahoma, Barry Switzer, when he had a great back, I mean, sometimes he went straight in the I formation with Billy Sims a few times, with Marcus Dupree uh, later in his career. But uh, the wishbone was so much fun. All right, let's get some uh, text in real quick. From the 918, could come back, but I think the rules might have to change regarding unnecessary roughness and pass interference on receivers. Right now the PI calls and all the, penalty, and all the penalties geared to the offense, it's not to spread it around. Uh, Patrick says Nebraska, when Scott Frost ran the option for the shotgun, was unbelievable. Uh, Duggan Norman says, bring back the single wing. Tommy Prothrow at UCLA was the last big school to use it. Tommy Prothrow, there's a name from days gone by back at UCLA. They throw the football a little bit some. Brian in Tulsa says, growing up watching Rocky and Kiwan play at Jenks, was, then also played OU was my best memory because I went to Jenks and knew them as a kid. That's cool. Um, that was... I think that was right where obviously that was the beginning of the Stoops era. That's when Oklahoma was really starting to open things up in terms of the passing game, mm-hmm. and it was it was Josh Heupel that really spearheaded that for OU. But Jason White took it to a new level uh, there in the mid two thousands. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times on the show. Jason White is maybe one of the most underappreciated Sooners of all time, and it's crazy to say that about a guy that won the Heisman. Yeah, well, I think part of that is people judging. Well, he never played in the NFL. Well, it, mainly because his knees didn't work anymore. 
you know, was the, was the main thing. I saw a list the other day of Heisman Trophy winners, the most overrated of all time, and Jason Wyatt was on the list. I'm like, the dude threw, what, was it 40 or 50 touchdowns that year? I yeah, think- yeah, overrated? That yes, this was a lit. You know, it was a guy one of those that was stupid, top like three in Heisman voting twice. It was like yardbarker.com okay, or something yeah. stupid like that. One of those, but morons. you know, and they said, well, he was a bust in the NFL. But again, the dude barely passed a physical. I mean, he didn't have really any knees left. That's why, and I'm not saying that Jason White would have gone and been Aaron Rodgers or whoever, but he could have played some of the NFL had he been healthy. There's no doubt in my mind. The dude was super tough. He could throw the football. He was a really good player. It was more about his knees pretty much just gave up on him at that point. I mean, we all remember we never thought he'd come back from that second uh, mm-hmm. injury, and he came back and won a Heisman Trophy. But at some point, you know, the wear and tear on those was just too much. So, all right, let's break right here. We've got one more segment to go. I'm going to save the – we played the Xavier Robinson uh, audio earlier, so save that for Parker or uh, Tyler if he wants to use it during you guys' first segment uh, today. But we'll talk a little sooner recruiting when we get back, wrap it up here on Steelman and Thune before we get ready to get locked in. Coming up at 2 o'clock right here on The Ref. Yes, sir. Welcome back. One more segment tomorrow out at Cavens Group, Friday out at Riverwind. Speaking of Riverwind Casino, if you haven't seen the new gaming floor, the renovations out there, they look incredible. Nearly 3,000 electronic games, and uh, it just looks amazing. It really looks great. Best games, best electronic games out there. You're going to find all your favorite table games. They've got a great poker room. Uh, two high-stakes areas, best bars and dining. They've got um, an amazing hotel attached to the casino. They've got the great promotions, the new member seven. You earn up to $450 in one day. You want to get your Riverwind wild card so you can hear your name called during all those great promotions to win cash and bonus play. It is, uh, it's great. They basically set you up with a map of how to win. With your wild card, with all these promotions, if you can just get out there and play. We also have shows, again, back at the Showplace Theater. We recently had Earth, Wind, and Fire last Friday. Uh, was a great show, according to all the reports I got. Collective Soul is next up July 21st. We have Josh Turner on July 28th. The Counting, Crow, Counting Crows, August 25th. These are shows that aren't sold out yet. In between, we've got, you know, Gabriel Iglesias and Dwight Yoakam and REO in Chicago. But uh, we also have Foreigner on the way, Rodney Carrington and Aaron Lewis. Ted Roof and the three-man front will be out there soon, I'm sure. Uh, get your tickets, riverwind.com at riverwind.com at Beats and Bites. Spend the uh, the holiday a little later than the 4th of July. How about July 8th out at Riverwind? The music of Mark Chestnut with Shenandoah and Tracy Bird July 8th on the uh, Coupe Ale Works Beats and Bites stage outdoors at Riverwind. Remember, tickets are only 10 bucks. Kids under uh, 12 get in free with all the food trucks out there, arts and crafts, games for the kids. It's a great time out there. They have a big-time fireworks display as well. That's July 8th out at Riverwind. Tickets available again online at riverwind.com. Riverwind.com or at the casino box office right outside the Showplace Theater. Steely. Text message, who was the old linebacker from Tulsa Union who ate bugs and went to Texas? Uh, that's uh, Jeff Lighting. Jeff Lighting, there you go. 
Yeah, Jeff Lighting. See, I remember because people thought, well, Oklahoma's going to get Jeff Lighting, and I think he played like one year at Tulsa Union. I think he moved in from like Missouri or something, if I'm not mistaken. So it wasn't like he was a lifelong Okie. I think he'd been maybe at Union one or two years. Maybe some Union fan can help us out. But, yeah, Jeff Lighting was a different breed of cat is what he was, no doubt. How do you remember Jeff Lighting? That's old school. We've talked about him – Several times we on have. This show. Yeah, I mean his his name's been thrown around. Hmm. I just, I mean, obviously that's before my time. I just know him as the guy that moved in at Tulsa Union and yep. ended up going to Texas and being an All American. Yeah, he was a pretty good player, but yes, he did eat. Uh, he did eat bugs. I guess he would do that to. Uh, well, he's a linebacker, you know. Teddy Lehman might have eaten a beetle before in his past or something. Who knows, right? He played – who was the guy they called the Coke machine who was the uh, center there? I think it was Gene Chilton was his name. Not like, you know, the white powder machine. Like, he was built like a Coke machine. And uh, But Lighting apparently used to put his index finger right in his chest and say, Dr. Pepper, please, on Gene Chilton. You could go ahead and Google him up. He was also a Longhorn back in the day. Okay, um – Xavier Robinson, I know you guys are going to talk about it, so I'm going to save uh, some of the audio we have. We played uh, pretty much all the audio except for one clip, but that was during the first hour. But how big of a get was Xavier Robinson yesterday for OU, and how many dominoes could eventually fall because the Sooners got Xavier Robinson yesterday committed? I mean, I look – I don't know that anybody is going to commit to Oklahoma as a direct consequence byproduct of the Xavier Robinson pledge, but we've talked about that local nucleus of guys that you know have kind of scattered to the wind but all grew up around each other, David Stone, Caden Durham, Xavier Robinson, and Michael Patterson-McDonald most specifically. And uh, you heard Xavier Robinson say it in the first hour of this program where he said, look, David Stone's the key. You get David Stone, that opens the door for all kinds of other talent that could follow suit. And kind of – basically, Stone is the Pied Piper, more so than any other individual that could or has ended up in Oklahoma's class. So, Robinson understands it. I imagine Michael Patterson-McDonald understands it, too. Look, that's that's just kind of a matter of time to me at this point as to when – Patterson McDonald locks in with Oklahoma because I mean we've talked about it the alternative is basically he goes somewhere like UNLV which you have a spot at Oklahoma you're going to go to Oklahoma so I think the priority for Robinson and the rest of Oklahoma's class now becomes get Stone locked in soon because the sooner you get him locked in the sooner he can have that effect on some of your other elite targets. There you go. Uh, I like, you know, you see everybody's highlight reel looks what's incredible, of course. But uh, I like this kid because he's got pretty good speed for a guy his size, and he runs the football with authority as well. So, wow! I just somebody told me Jeff Lighting passed away. I did not know that. A nineteen, he was fifty-two years old. Wow! I did not know that. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens. And you were saying uh, the Sooners will have a new commitment in the next 48 hours, you think? That is my guess. Maybe yes. 24? Or, mm-hmm. Okay. Should happen soon. There you go. All right, we got to get out of here. want to thank our friends, of course, uh, that help us out every day. Last year, Home Comfort Systems, 
579-3113. Thanks to uh, Dr. B and the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. And, of course, the one and only Riverwind Casino sponsoring our text line, sponsoring the stream show I have. And uh, appreciate Justin and the crew over at Riverwind Casino. New promotions coming in July. The 60K Double Play and Double Winnings promotion. Get out there. Play with your wild card for a chance to win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play. And the 20K Mad Dash with a Blast, which begins July 8th. You'll have a chance to win up to $2,500 in cash. We've got Locked In coming up next. Tyler, McComas, Parker Thune, and you. Keep it here.